what is missing. And we felt like what was already established and an opportunity is, you know, we felt like there was a gap for companies raising institutional seed and institutional series A in the middle of the country or the Rocky Mountain region specifically. And so that's where the name came from. It was filling an unmet need of raising capital in the middle of the country. This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, the founders, funders, and contributors, and the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and today we are talking about a VC fund who is going outside their own firm and hosting conferences and job fairs to help startups and job seekers in underrepresented regions of the country. As a matter of fact, they've invested in 25 different states across 65 portfolio companies in two funds. Pretty impressive. Meet Clay Gordon from Stout Street Capital, who is going to tell us all about his fund and how the unmet conferences were created. Hi, Clay. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, for sure. Les, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of your story and your background? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a person, but, uh, well, you know, we'll go from there. Um, so aren't we I, all, aren't we all? Yeah. So I've, I've always been interested in the startup community. I was working at startups in college, really like, I would say the more unstructured productivity focused, uh, approach that startups or the startup environment provides. Um, so I knew that I was ultimately going to end my career with some startup in, in some form or fashion in the startup community, mostly in Colorado as well. Um, I did graduate from the University of Colorado, Denver, um, and I did uh, move to the East Coast for, I would say, some more corporate experience. I was looking to have uh, a more big picture approach by leaving the state. Uh, I lived and worked in Washington, D.C. and North Carolina with the same firm where I ultimately was a fundraiser for a nonprofit. Uh, and part of that was community building as well. Um, it was a wonderful experience as a young professional, but um, knew that I wanted to move back to Colorado. Colorado is uh, really booming uh, for young professionals in the, in the state at large. And um, I started working at a family office, which is where I met my partner. And I'm going to tie in some of his background because I would say it is vital to the story. Um, part of the family office had had very bad luck or just a really bad approach investing direct into companies. Um, and so my partner was kind of hired to say, how can we have more success investing into startups more broadly? Uh, and then ultimately he came up with the strategy, which he felt better about a less risky approach to venture investing for an asset class to a broader investor um, where public or public sector uh, bonds, real estate, oil and gas, all that kind of stuff is taken care of. But this, I would say, high risk niche asset class. Um, and so we did a lot of back testing to say, you know, obviously a lot of startups fail. Is there any kind of common uh, characteristics of startups that might be able to help de-risk investing into this asset class? And whether it is an imperfect science, and I'm sure you've had a lot of guests talk about the art versus the science approach to venture investing as well we felt a little bit more comfortable falling a little bit on this science if you can call it that and so part of that was looking at companies that uh, improved efficiency and so the easiest way that i can tie this in is 
So we invest in companies that sell into a red ocean. They're not looking to truly disrupt society as we know it, which I think we've seen wonderful transform, uh, transformative technology, mostly coming from San Francisco. But we feel like there is huge technology risks with starting these types of blue ocean type businesses. And so we found, I would say, established markets that were undergoing efficiency plays either to reduce costs or to increase revenues. And what was facilitating these um, productivity improvements or efficiency improvements. And we ultimately found software was really transforming society at large. And so we ended up looking at software companies in markets um, still at seed stage. And part of that was just given our check size and our access to capital, because um, that is a constraint for, I would say, all funds, especially Stealth Street as well. And um, my partner, who is a uh, established finance background, wanted to invest in at least 30 companies per fund. And so we did that. So we started in um, early 2017 from scratch. Um, and started um, our uh, venture investing, I guess. Fun, I, I love the strategy, it's, it's great. And having been one of those uh, former, one of those founders, I shouldn't say former, I was a founder. <laughs> Once a founder, always a founder. But having been one of those founders that started a blue ocean business, I am well aware of the risks and pitfall, pitfalls and whirlpools in that ocean. So I, I, like, I really like your guys' strategy, it's cool. And you know, you said a couple words there, like efficiency, reducing costs. You don't hear VCs say that very often. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know to talk more broadly or, or, or big picture because I think it's going to come up quite a bit, and we communicate this quite a bit with founders as well. Whether it's East Coast or West style investing, you know, are you betting on a person uh, to figure it out at the end of the day, or are you investing in the business model, and then at the end of the day, the people are somewhat replaceable, not to be as uh, ruthless as that, but I feel like that's a little bit more New York style. Uh, we would probably fall more on like the New York business model approach as opposed mm -hmm. to believe strongly on the, uh, bet everything solely on the team. Like the team is obviously the most important part in an early stage company. And to a large extent, they are the product, but we do want to see the business model. Um, you know, is there uh, some clarity around average contract value, uh, total addressable market, lifetime value, some things like that, that would make us feel a little bit more comfortable as opposed to one person being able to figure it out, which I would say is, is historic venture. And there's been a lot of success with that model. Um, and to your earlier point, um, and to be honest, um, you know, my partner and I were not former founders. So, um, it kind of puts us in a, in a weird position because I feel like that is the historic roadmap to starting a venture capital fund is to relate with the founders. Um, and so again, we're very transparent and upfront about that, but, um, we almost feel more finance driven, um, with our approach, um, which might be less traditional for venture investing. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and as I've gotten gotten to know you a little better as well, I mean, you're, you're also you, you and your partner both have tremendous networks, right? I mean, you definitely bring the network to the table, which is which is, I think, equally important, perhaps even more important than some of the operating experience for for regional regional companies, companies in. Well, I would say regional, I say in between the coasts, right? 
Yeah. Well, first, I ple- I appreciate the uh, you know the compliment. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I think even to kind of elaborate, going back to like when we launched South Street Capital in early 2017, we did start from scratch, not being founders. And so, like, what is the process of starting a venture capital fund? Because that ties very closely to like what is the process of a founder starting a company. And there is similar processes, but everyone has a different experience. Um, and so our experience was very um, interesting. You know, I would say there's positive parts about it and negative parts about it as well. Um, and we, I would say we didn't approach uh, venture back in early 17, you know, necessarily the right way. Like what does a appropriate amount of diligence look like? What is the appropriate amount of time to make a decision look like? And then what is a check size and involvement post-investment look like in a company, we had to figure all that out on the job. And then ultimately part of the job, in my opinion, is you do need to make investments in order for people to believe that you deploy capital. And so you do need to deploy capital to do your job to a certain extent. And so we quickly grew from Colorado and um, we felt like um, we felt like we wanted to do more outside of Colorado. Um, I feel like to some extent it was harder to break into the Colorado market, which hmm. um, is uh, uh, a theme. Um, I don't know how fascinating get on this subject, but tell me, tell me about, so, you know, Colorado, the theme here for me is Colorado called you home. There was something great about it that, that got you there. And then, but what you really, it seems like what you've really recognized as a firm is more of a macro strategy, more of a macro opportunity that is, it's, it's more than just Colorado. Is that, is that fair to say in terms of the opportunity to do what yeah. you do? Yeah, um, exactly. I, I feel like just to put some big themes on it, I felt like other markets were a little bit more welcoming to us and more capital coming in. And Colorado has become very competitive and I would say it's maturing very quick and all that is a very good thing about the venture market in general. Uh, But I would say to a certain extent, we were forced to look outside of Colorado to build our reputation and to break into quality deals. And so the easiest place to do that is through the surrounding states in the Rocky Mountain region, which you guys do a lot in as well. And so we went to Utah, we went to Arizona, um, we checked out other markets and I would say we quickly gravitated towards people that uh, were comparable to us. And these were very small funds with younger GPs that were looking to break into the market and really establish themselves in a career. And so we started sharing deals with, I would say, region agnostic funds all over the country, including Canada as well, that were looking for B2B software companies in markets. Um, and they really didn't care where these companies were located. Um, and I would say that message really resonated with us, but it did take us about a year and a half to get to that point. And we deployed a lot of capital, um, you know, with good intentions, but mm-hmm. without the deal flow network required for a venture capital fund to succeed. Um, and we try to articulate this to founders as well, but usually like our pipeline, we want to fill it with. Um, yes, on the quantity side, a couple thousand minimum, but you know, four to five really good opportunities where you invest in one of them. Um, yeah. And getting to that point takes a lot of time and a lot of providing value to other co-investors in order for them to share deals with, with us, which sure. is really my day-to-day. 
Um, and I think to even elaborate on that, you know, our check size is 100 to 200,000 and we're investing into usually a one to $2 million round. So we need to syndicate 100% of that, uh, of the time. And I would say the bulk of those, if not 99% of them are not in Colorado. Um, uh, I'm not, Colorado is a wonderful market. I love the funds here, yeah. um, but that is our experience. Well, this isn't found in Colorado. This is found in the Rockies. So I think you're. You're, we're good. You're on the right show. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, what about uh, what about the name? What about uh, Stout Street? Is that actually a real place? Yeah. So we formed the company at the Ghost Building, which is off 18th and Stout, which used to be the Colorado Diner, I believe it was way back in the day. And, um, you know, to be honest, we were in that building, which is a very cool um, eclectic building, which is our logo, which is the, the ghost building. Uh, and it was off 18th and Stout and looked outside and it was either 18th or Stout. And, <laughs> and that's literally how the name came from. So. Yeah, 18th Capital. It's almost like I would think of it as like a golf course or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Or yeah. Country club. I like I think you made the right choice. Uh, cool. I never realized that was the significance of the logo. It's cool. Yeah. You have to drive by the building at some point. It's pretty cool. I will. Hindsight's 2020, you know, South Street Ventures sounds pretty good, but we have it on South Street Capital. So. I think you made a good choice. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive by with a picture of the logo and I'm going to hold it up like a Goonies, like the decoder ring from Goonies and see how yeah. well it matches. See how well it matches. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Sure. So, so you guys have been active since 2017. Uh, how many, you know, you said it, you said it best, you know, the way to, the real way to show people you're serious is do deals. What have, what have you guys done since 2017? What kind how many investments was the portfolio look like that kind of stuff? Yeah. So we've made 65 investments in 25 States and wow. two countries, Canada or the U S uh, we are a generalist tech fund that has gravitated, I would say historically away from energy, but we've done a good amount of HR tech. We've done a good amount of advertising or marketing tech more broadly. Um, we've done, or at least personally, cause my partner and I differ on the types of companies that get us excited. I would say I have gravitated away from enterprise SaaS and more to S and B, uh, S and B, um, mm -hmm. companies, um, just with the layout, the long sales cycle, um, we feel like the companies that look very good on paper um, has not historically done well for us. They've either needed a lot more capital than originally anticipated, with which again for a small fund is a problem. And so we've looked at companies that were, have required less capital, and we felt like the SMB companies in our portfolio have done that. Mm -hmm. um, there is a good amount of enterprise SaaS in there as well. Um, yeah, I would say we've historically been known for investing in less flashy, non-transformational type companies, um, mm -hmm. but there is an efficient uh, there is an efficiency improvement. The value sure. proposition is very clear to someone who isn't as smart as the founders that we invest in, uh, but it's very clear and to a certain extent boring. That is more of what we have known to do. So sure. let's not to take anything away from our companies, but it's just, again, no, 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 stay away from the hype. And we try to invest in, in stuff that I feel comfortable in knowing what the company actually does. For sure. Well, and, and then it's also probably, you know, it, it's I would imagine that it's it's probably a, an easier pricing environment. It's pro it's also probably 
easier to kind of meet founders where they're at and maybe underwrite to an exit that isn't, uh, you know, a unicorn or, or the new, you know, a decacorn, whatever. Like you can, you can look to pay capital into these companies when it makes sense. You see a clear path to growth and you see a clear path to an exit that's meaningful and changes people's lives change and, and, you know, makes for a well, you know, well, well managed portfolio. So I, I get it. It's a cool strategy. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. 25 states. That's, I don't even think I've been to 25 states. I'm embarrassed to say that, but I mean, how do you cover that kind of territory? That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've only met with the founder before investing in about 20% of our deals and chances are they're in Arizona or the Rocky Mountain region. We are investing the bulk of our investments in people that we have not met with in person. Um, this is all pre-COVID and everything, but we feel like mm. in today's society, it's pretty easy to get a reference check. Um, I would say most of the times there is a local fund leading the deal that can really vouch for it. Um, and given we have done investments in a lot of these different small markets, you know, I would say reputation is um, it matters. And it's pretty easy to find out about either founders or other VCs, because I think VCs should ultimately get pushed back on as uh, as well, but um, it's a little bit easier than it sounds. But um, you know, St. Louis, Kansas City has been a great market for us. We got a deal in Charleston, Melbourne, Florida. Toronto's been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh's been awesome. I'd say Arizona has been one of the best. Uh, Colorado has been fantastic. It's definitely maturing quick. I think more quality top talent is moving here. Um, we'd love to do more in Idaho and Montana. So keep us in mind for uh, next frontier. Yeah, for sure. Is is established. Yeah. So very cool. I I was really shocked when you said Melbourne, Florida. Uh, I've been there. Saltiest ocean, I think, coastline in the US. Uh, Fun, fun fact. Yeah, it's it's how did you find like, how do you how would you find a deal like that? That's fascinating to me. Melbourne. Yeah, it was just referred from someone at a consulting agency that I was a family friend with. So it was mm-hmm. more of a cold outreach than anything. But we do we do check that like anyone that submits via our um, website, like we, we actually check that. Um, but um, anyways, the founder, um, Brad Truesdale uh, with Tomahawk, they basically provide software to hardware devices to um, uh, the Department of Defense, but it's probably one of our best fund one companies and they've grown from like seven employees to close to a hundred and um yeah so they're doing incredibly wow. well and they came out to our denver on conference as well so again it's it's a pretty small community at the end of the day um and uh they just happen to be in middle of nowhere florida or i've, I've never been to melbourne so I, I don't know but um a smaller market in florida than uh, you know, Tampa, Miami, lots of jellyfish there be careful. If you go wear, okay. wear water shoes. Yeah, for sure. No, you know, it's fascinating to me because like I, I ha- you know, I spent, I spent some time in Melbourne before for work related stuff. And, uh, there's a lot of tech there. I mean, when it comes to satellite communications and RF, like Harris has an office there. So I would imagine just from a sample size of one example here, there's probably a lot of places like that all over the country and where there's these unmet founders so to speak now, you know we'll get to that in a second but like I, I could see how there could be some really unique opportunities to source source deals what uh oh go ahead i'm sorry yeah i mean i if you look at you know you're based in bozeman i believe um i think it's very comparable to, to bozeman or denver you know if i wanted to hear about a montana startup chances are that you've had a relationship with it and i feel like you would give an honest representation of the company knowing that 
you know, you would request and ask the same for me. And I would give you a straight up answer for any of our deals in Colorado or Arizona. And um, yeah, I think people are pretty willing to be honest. And, you know, we champion the Midwest values pretty, pretty hard. Um, and we feel like a lot of times founders, at least where we invest, are a little bit more transparent and respectful than uh, let's just say some of the founders I've communicated with on the coast. That's not everyone, but it's just a different culture or personality type of where we invest. And I do think that that does matter. Sure. You know, speaking of where you invest, you mentioned uh, you've, you mentioned Arizona, and I'm really I'm really anxious to hear kind of your perspective on that ecosystem. So tell us tell us about Arizona. Yeah, I would say Arizona. So out of all the markets that we invest, I would put Arizona maybe at number one. I mean, they are just freaking fantastic. Um, again, the lens of me being in the investor where price does come in, into fact in, yeah. in the, into play. Um, so I feel like the players matter. And so this was talked about some other venture uh, books as well. But do you need to have a lot of population to make a successful venture community or whatever? Or do you need to have like the very right collaborative people to really foster that relationship? And I feel like Arizona has it. And so we have met uh, mostly Andy Lombard, who you'll have a chance to meet with at Venture Madness down there, uh, hosted by Invest Southwest. He's actually running it this year um, and South Street sponsoring, which is exciting. But I feel like he is one of the reasons that Arizona has become so successful is he is really dedicated to the long-term approach of building the foundation of investment for companies looking to start in Arizona. Um, talent's been great for the most part. Um, obviously, they have some really large uh, universities, but making it more of a, a tech state would be great. Obviously, semiconducting is a, is a priority for the state as well. But um, I feel like it's just great talent that no investors have really looked at. And when they dive in, you're going to see some really good companies at more reasonable valuation than other markets, uh, because I feel like at some other markets, valuations um, aren't as um, down to earth, which is uh, subjective, uh, of course. But we just feel like with the talent and what you're investing in at that at Arizona prices, for the most part, um, it's a market that you really can't beat. So. Wow. Yeah, you're going down there and uh, I think you're going to be blown away personally. Well, I'll tell you, I, I just met Andy uh, last week and I was I'm already blown away. I mean, he he told me we got to get him on the podcast, Andy, if you're listening, I'm, I'm coming after you next. Um, but he told me that uh, last year, I think he meant I think it's 2021, the total amount of VC dollars that, you know, were invested in the state was around two billion. And if you put that in perspective to like typically what Utah is usually annually around four billion, I think Colorado's around three billion. Arizona is definitely a challenger in, in this region in terms of you know rising rising to the top. And based on what you just said, it sounds like there's great founders there, there's great, you know, pricing, great great value there still. Um, yeah, and pricing doesn't. I, I'm not trying to say that in any kind of way to take away from like the quality talent. And pricing is definitely no. a lot, a, a larger conversation. Um, you know, when it comes to like total funding for each state, it is tough because it's so weighted towards like three companies receiving a 500 million dollar round. But exactly. as far as like the sheer quantity raising a successful seed round, I would say yep. it was drastically increased in Arizona, and I feel like that that's great. And more people leaving the coast. Um, yeah. Yep. So, well, I'm excited. You're Look, going. I, 
Yeah, and, and you, we could probably have a whole episode on pricing, but I mean, you know, kind of my intent when I when I typically think of a, of a, of a good pricing environment is really more about the prudence of the founders and doing, res, doing the responsible thing at the earlier stages. Um, it, I mean, ultimately, we've seen in our portfolio, it's better for founders, it's better for investors, um, you know, it's responsible, it's the responsible thing to do. Yeah, I would say it's all, it's all a trade-off. Like we've we've told founders, you know, if you want to get a high price, that's fine. But chances are it's going to take a lot longer to get there if if you do. And mm-hmm. if you do come down a little bit on price, then it makes it a little bit more attractive, which expedites the fundraising process. So like it's all, exactly. it's all trade-offs at the end of the day. It is a two-sided relationship. And we have seen companies uh, come too far down on pricing, to your point as well. And it is sure. a balance uh, where founder equity is important and part of the Series A discussion. Um, so yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, and Arizona also just, uh, wasn't there just like a hundred million dollar fund that got raised there? Was it innovation AZ or something like that? Yeah. Anything about that? I think it's a state back uh, fund. I can't remember if it was 60 or a hundred million dollars, but they're going to do Arizona deals, which is exciting. I think Andy's going to run point on that as well. So you have to ping him. All right. You heard it here first on found in the Rockies with clay. Arizona, spend some time there. Uh, tell me about we've 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 kind of bounced around the edges on it um, a little bit, but tell me about the Unmet Conference because like this was this by the way this was my first touch point with South Street, and you know I was immediately a, a fan uh, because it was an amazing event. Tell us about it. Tell us about Unmet. Yeah, I'll um, uh, I'll give you the full story. Uh, going back to uh, maybe some good and bad of Style Street's experience as well. Um, but to a certain extent, like we have been denied access to other venture capital conferences, which have access to great companies, which is unfortunate. Like, to be honest, that's like the bitter truth of our experience, which hmm. isn't isn't bad. It, it just is what it is. And so like where where do us as a fund go from there? You know, if we want to create value, which this give first mentality in Colorado is a big part of it. Um, you know, not being able to be in the room, like, where do you go? And so we went to Arizona and then it's kind of like, hey, you know, what is missing? And we felt like what was already established and an opportunity is, you know, we felt like there was a gap for companies raising institutional seed and institutional Series A in the middle of the country or the Rocky Mountain region specifically. And so that's where the name came from. It was filling an unmet need of raising capital in the middle of the country. So our first one, which was in Denver, which was purely for Series A companies, which we felt like was a value add, not only for our portfolio company, but other common co-investors, their seed stage companies as they raise downstream uh, capital, can we expedite their fundraise in a way to be valuable in addition to capital, which we get pinged quite a bit from founders, you know, what's your value in addition to capital as well. Um, and so that's how it started. It was Series A focused. It was in Colorado. We had 50 companies. Um, you know, I would say every venture conference is different and we did not want to have a Stout Street centered approach. We wanted to have a community centered approach and that's why it's not Stout Street conference. Um, we set it up in a way that we could partner with other NGOs or funds or anyone for that matter to to enable companies to raise uh, capital easier in a more efficient way. Um, and so for the Denver one, we had, I think it was 50 companies um, at the Series A level. It was not Colorado region, even though the bulk of the companies did come from Colorado. But we felt like with our broader co-investor network, 
we felt like we could bring everyone together in a certain room uh, to really facilitate connections that I would say other funds or other companies wouldn't have access with historically. And we tried it. And to a large extent, I would say it was a big success. Um, and part of that is uh, someone from, it was Andy Lombard at ACA ended up coming up and said, hey, love the concept. We'd love to bring this in Arizona. And we said, heck yeah, let's do it. And they said they would cover costs. And we said we would recruit all the investors. We just need help sourcing companies. And that's how it started. Um, Road, get the tour bus. Get the tour yeah. bus out. Roadshow time. Yeah. And so it was just interesting because that was at about the same time as COVID as well. So we pivoted to virtual, uh, mm -hmm. which there's pros and cons with. Um, but ultimately, from hosting our first one in Denver, we have hosted, I believe, it's seven conferences so far, including Colorado, awesome. Arizona, twice. We did a diversity conference virtual last year. Our next one is for diverse and female founders, May 18th and 19th, 2022. We've co-hosted with Kickstart in Utah. We've co-hosted with Jobs Ohio in Ohio. And then we're in talks with a couple other uh, wow. states as well. So, um I think it's been fantastic. Um, again, this is under the efficiency play of expediting fundraising and being helpful and in a, I would say, community building uh, way um, is really where the premise is. I'll tell you, I uh, it's a it's a it's a great it's a great explanation of the strategy and and um, and what you're doing. I'll tell you though, kind of on, on a more qualitative note. I could not believe just the level of the quality of the relationships that came out of that format. And I, and, and I don't know if it's the same as, as the, the event that I went to in Colorado, I was pre COVID, but it was basically, there was like a speed, I, speed dating is the wrong word, but it was like meet with founders in these like short blocks of time. But then there were like breakouts and like events. And like, there was, there was like more time to socialize. I remember one founder I went on a walk with and it was like, I, there's still people from that conference that I've kept in touch with. I just looked at a series B from one of the founders that I met there. I mean, very intimate setting and authentic. I guess that's maybe intimate is probably the wrong word. It's more authentic. It's very authentic relationship building. So I, I encourage anyone, maybe we can put the link to uh, for people to learn more about it in the notes, but it's a definitely worthwhile uh, from my perspective. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'd love to do an unmet Montana. So keep a, keep us in mind with, with you guys. Um, let's do it. Yeah. You said it. Now we have to do it. It's on the podcast. All right, let's do it. It's been, uh, it's been great to, you know, collaborate with. Um, ultimately, we feel like if companies succeed at the conference, that is what's going to enable a successful conference to go on. And um, we did want to foster enough investor touch points at each conference. Um, and so usually, very, you know, kind of like your point, I think it was pretty, pretty right with speed dating. But we do, on average, every company meets with at least six institutional firms at the conference. Some companies get a lot of interest, some not as much interest. But on average, each one has uh, been able to facilitate at least six or on average, six investor connections. And then we do back test to see like who actually raises from the conference and everything. And obviously a lot of state entities want to see, you know, how much new investment came. Yeah. But historically, we've been able to average for each investor connection. So six per company on average, we've been able to on average raise a hundred thousand per investor connection. 
So each wow. conference is raising around, I think it's like 75 million or something like that. Again, Series A, if you raise five to seven, it, it kind of gets weighted, but we do want to have still... a bulk 50% minimum at seed. And so even smaller rounds are getting funded and it's just the activity. You know, I feel like with founder uh, founders raising money, it's all about momentum. And I feel like this can be a really big catalyst to drive momentum uh, towards raising a successful round. Amazing statistics. Um, that's that's fantastic. And and I know I you know one of our portfolio companies went to an event. I think it was the, was the Utah event, rec the most recent one. Um, it was Arizona in person in October. I think. Oh, uh, maybe that was the one they went to. But you know they weren't raising at the time, but they're they are raising now, and it's it's led to it basically gave them you know a, a template of, of amazing people that were already engaged, already knew about the company, already excited about you know the prospects. So. I think it, it pays so many dividends, no matter what the timeline is for the companies or the investors. I mean, it's just great momentum it creates for all. Yeah, we want to continue to kind of adapt the conference um, and find out ways to be more effective, um, which has been good. I think partners have been great on that as well. But um, yeah, I appreciate the shout, the, the shout out on the conference. It's yeah. you know, we put a lot of time into it, uh, to be honest with you. And I feel like any kind of emerging fund needs to create just a ton of value prior to actually, you know, being established in the market. Um, and I feel like this is kind of our way to create value. Um, yeah. Great. Well, we'll post the uh, the link to that in the in the show notes for sure. Um, what about you know? So we've talked about Arizona, we've talked about Colorado, we've mentioned Utah, we've mentioned Montana. What maybe a little Idaho too? But what? Give us a. What do you think about the Rockies? Like, what are who, where's where's the dark horse? Where's the where should we be looking next? Um, what's your like long long on the on the Rockies? Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack with that. I would say the Rockies ultimately is going to succeed for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one, like there's just so many tailwinds. Two, I feel like the culture, uh, historically being an extremely collaborative community, I feel like does matter. I feel like, let's say, Stout Street Next Frontier, like we want other funds to succeed. And if those funds invest in companies that succeed, you know, we will see more opportunities that we can invest in as well. So I feel like there is a, a really big uh, community championing each other approach, which I feel like is, is great. There's less competition uh, or, you know, yeah, less competition that's, that's getting a little bit uh, more. I would say the Rocky Mountain region is changing between established funds and emerging funds. I think more first-time funds are popping up more now than ever. And uh, I think founders having exits and seeing um, raising their own fund or starting their own family office or angel investing as an avenue as the next step. And I feel like one, that's phenomenal for the foundation for companies to raise capital from. Um, so I think we're gonna see more. Um, I, I know that the billion dollar exits really drive headlines and then ultimately more investments for the states, but I feel like new funds should be open to smaller exits and not billion dollar exits because there's tons of, out, tons of companies out there. And I think a lot of those will be started in the Rocky Mountain region. Um, yeah, so very excited. Um, as far as Dark Horse, um, you know, I'm curious if it's gonna be software, or if it's gonna be, um, you know, something else like batteries or semiconductors ah. or whatever. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if I'm sold that software is going to be, you know, what the Rocky Mountain are going to be known for. But, uh, hmm. you know, we see a ton of, um, you know, consumer product companies that probably receive less funding that are just fantastic companies. 
you know. Yep. So we'll see more of that as well. So cool. More Allbirds and yeah. Justin's nut butter. <laughs> um, awesome. What about uh, what about a something gets you excited about Stout Street or Unmet? Any reveals? Any big news? Anything exciting coming up to kind of kind of wrap up today's episode? Yeah, um, you know we're uh, we're finishing up our second fund. We're at sixty five companies. We're on the market to raise our third fund. Um, I would say that's really excited. Uh, definitely some some stress coming into fundraising as well. Uh, I think it is important. With I feel like founders are always kind of pressed on for fundraising, and I feel like it's um, uh, it's good for funds, or at least good for ourselves, to be you know humbled or kind of pushed back on as well just to relate a little bit more to, to founders um, throughout the process as well. Uh, I don't know if I have any really big news. The portfolio is doing really well. There's no kind of big exit or anything like that. Um, I'll, I'll put one plug as uh, almost a, a brag, not even a humble brag, but uh, we invested in uh, Block Through, which is based in, in Toronto, but it was the 11th fastest company or growing company in Canada and actually the number one fastest ad tech company in Canada. So. Um, wow. that's the, uh, that's the brag. It's not even the humble brag. It's just the full brag. So, Hey, throw it out there. I love it. That's great. How did you, where did that one come from? How did you sort of that co-investor in, uh, St. Louis? Yeah. And that was referred that's by uh, another fund in DC that we also know. So they ultimately get the, the credit, but, um, yeah. The network of Clay Gordon is yeah. immense. And yeah. That's why, you know what, when you told me you were worried about fundraising, I was like, come on. Come on, Clay. Well, we're, we're grateful yeah. to have Next Frontier in our network and uh, grateful to be uh, chosen to, be, to participate in the podcast and we appreciate the relationship. Well, thank you so much for being on today um, and uh, look forward to continuing that relationship and growing that network as we work together to help founders in the Rockies succeed every day. So why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find you and find Stout Street and find Unmet online? Yeah, um, stoutstreetcapital.com is probably the easiest. My email is clay at stoutstreetcapital.com. Again, we do check all that. Um, uh, you can email on LinkedIn as well. I'm not as responsive via LinkedIn. I feel like email is best. Um, we're on Twitter um, and then unmetconference.com. Uh, but I feel like our website would probably just be the best at stoutstreetcapital.com. So um, yeah, keep us in mind. Um, you know, would want to be a resource for the community. I feel like. Uh, how you treat companies that you don't invest in probably matters more than the companies that you do end up investing in as well. And so we care about that and our reputation. So uh, again, if it's not a fit, we want to keep the door open and be helpful uh, where we can. So um, one day at a time. Thank you, Clay. Really great to have you and look forward to seeing you uh, in the Rockies. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to our podcast page at nextfrontiercapital.com to get links and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop. We'll see you next time.